Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast. Uh, I'm not Alan. Uh, Alan's not here this week, so I've been thrust back into uh, managing the podcast this week. And if you don't recognize my voice, you probably haven't been listening to too many podcasts, but I'm Matt. I wasn't here last week, but I've been on every other podcast before. Uh, and with me this week, we have the other Matt. Hello, other Matt. Hi, I'm other Matt. Other Matt is a good Matt, um, yes. and yes. he's got a New Zealand accent, so you can tell us apart. He does that on purpose. He's actually not a New Zealander. He just pretends to be, just so he can have a cool accent. That's and true. we also have Harder. It is true. Hey, everyone. Um, I think we're on track to have the least cursed podcast in a few weeks today. Yes, when we don't have Alan and Ginny and Tyler on the podcast, these <laughs> things tend to go a little bit smoother, but... Um, and we, we managed to get rid of them all this week. So all serious discussions, no fun this week. Um, but fun yeah, canceled. no swears either. So <laughs> fun has been canceled this time. Um, but one thing I have got back is the Hatsune Miku music to start things off. I was very annoyed with Alan for removing that last week. <laughs> really good. I specifically told him you have to have start with some Hatsune Miku music and he just couldn't bring himself to do it. So I'm taking that back. And this week we've got Holy Star, which is a great track.
Welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that music. See, we are back on track, and this is going to be a great podcast free of Alan. Um, so, the games of June since next, well, by the time you're listening to this, it will almost be June, and there's a lot of them, which is a bit strange, I think, because usually with E3 around, we don't expect too many big releases, but it looks like this month is going to be a pretty big, pretty big one for just about everyone. Uh, there's a bit of everything in there for a bit of something for everybody in there. Um, so just running through the list super quickly of some of the major highlights for the month. Uh, June 5 brings us Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, which is the character crossover mashup one between the Blaze Blue uh, in Undernight Persona and some other game. Um, it brings them all together and they all get to beat each other up, which is great. And we've also got Happy Birthdays coming out on the Nintendo Switch on June 5. Happy Birthdays is Birthdays the Beginning Portable, which was a lovely little, um, what would you say, God Sim, um, that came out a couple of years ago on the PS4. Then we've got Sushi Striker, which Nintendo has been promoting pretty heavily and should be really good. A lot of arcade kind of crazy fun in that one, which is cool. Um, the Lost Child comes out on June 19. That's a Nippon Ichi published dungeon crawler with a lot of Lovecraftian elements in it. So anime plus Lovecraft usually goes well together and we're expecting big things to that one. Uh, what else we got? We've got uh, East 8 comes out on the Nintendo Switch on June 26 as well, which it's already out on just about every platform known to mankind, but that one should be pretty good because it has a whole bunch of bonus stuff on the Switch, including swimsuits, and everyone knows that you know swimsuits make a game worth buying. Um, we've got Luminous comes out as well, and that's been a long time since a new Luminous game. That's kind of Tetris mixed with rhythm game, and if that doesn't sound cool to you, you just have no taste in anything. Um, and then Crash Bandicoot comes out as well on June 29 for the Nintendo Switch, which I don't think anybody really saw coming uh, until it was announced. And I think people will enjoy that. So over on the PlayStation 4, we have Vampire, which is the gothic um, RPG by the guys that made Life is Strange, which should be good. I think pretty much everybody who likes a good story is looking forward to that one, has big expectations. Uh, what else have we got? Nobunaga's Ambition comes again on June 5 to the PS4. This is the third Nobunaga's Ambition game to be released in English on the console. And should be some good strategy action based in the Sengoku period of Japan. Super Bomberman R comes out on the PS4 on June 12, and that will be great fun in multiplayer because Super Bomberman was great on the Switch. What else we got? Rainbow Skies, which is the sequel to many years ago. That comes out on June 26 as well. Tactics RPG kind of thing, which I think people who played Rainbow Moon will appreciate. Uh, what else we got? The Crew 2, if you're into racing games, I guess. That comes out on June 26. And I've probably missed a whole bunch of stuff. So if I've missed anything, fill me in. What, have, what are you looking forward to, Matt? Um, I am not looking forward to any games because I don't play games anymore. Because um, <laughs> I Battlefield, all this Battlefield stuff ruined me. <laughs> it taught me that <laughs> games are bad. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But 
Yes, I'm looking forward to, I don't know if you mentioned it, um, Psychedelica of the Ashen Hawk. Um, which is... No, I didn't mention that one because I couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> it's not that hard to pronounce. It's a terrible name. Um, so that's uh, another new Otome game um, from... Who's publishing it? Axis. Axis. Axis Games. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and from Automate, is the developer. So the same people who made Hakuoki and everything else, like 90% of Otome games that get localized into English are made by them. But yeah, so I'm really... really so it'll be, it'll be pretty, pretty, pretty and well-written, basically. It'll, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. It'll be... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So that's coming out on Vita. There are still games coming out for Vita, and which is good, I guess. Yeah, I don't even I don't even pull up the list of Vita games, upcoming <laughs> games anymore when we do that segment. That's why I missed that one um, because yeah, there's just it's a very sad list of upcoming games. But <laughs> yeah, um, and it's just insane that I'm just going to get a whole bunch of Vita fans yelling at me now um, uh, because they're very passionate Vita fans, very um, passionate. I what else am I looking forward? To? I'm looking forward to East Eight even though I've played it on PS4, but I will play it again on Switch and enjoy it again because it's a very good game and I like it. And um, the, the swimsuit, right? Well, I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's okay. You can admit these things, Matt. Fan service is good. Fan service is your friend. Okay. Um, <laughs> and Sushi Striker I'm looking forward to. I Even with all, like as heavily as Nintendo's pushing it, I'm still not entirely sure what to expect, and that is exciting for me. Um, the um, I think I think the demo actually released this week, didn't it? Oh, all right. Well, there's a little, the there's, there's a, yeah, yeah. So give it a go. That'll be. I, I think I'm really looking forward to it after that demo. I think it's mm -hmm. going to be crazy good fun. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. it's not so niche that it doesn't, because I, I think it'll have a fairly heavy kind of online. Um, side to it once you get through the the basics of the game i think it's kind of designed to be played in multiplayer um at least over the longer term so hopefully it's not so weird that it can develop a community that you can kind of jump on and play with at any time because i think that would be important for it but it does look really good and charming and silly and yeah throw sushi at one another it's great <laughs> and then speaking of that that the one one game that i was looking forward to was on rush which is a new that like weird arcade racing sort of game um made by codemasters um but then i learned more recently that apparently it's some like it's kind of focused on like some sort of weird multiplayer team-based stuff that makes me suddenly stop caring about it like, i've seen lots of people <laughs> saying that it's like trying to be a racing game version of overwatch and which uh, helped me to stop caring about it it does not sound like a good idea yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can't i i actually can't wrap my head around um an overwatch version of a racing game or that that sounds weird like really weird 
you know, like classes of cars and super like abilities <laughs> and stuff, and you activate an ability to make a car go faster. I don't know, man. I have not. I don't actually know anything about the game. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I think it's something to do with like yeah. So you race in teams, and then you have objectives. To you don't just race and try to win the race. You have to like achieve objectives and get points and. I guess different cars have different roles and while you're trying to do that. I don't know. It seems interesting, but the multiplayer... I think there is a single-player mode as well, but it definitely seems very team esports kind of focus, and uh, that's a good way to make me stop caring about the game. I guess I guess the, the like loot boxes will be extra decals for your cars. Maybe. Because you've got to have loot boxes. Yeah, if it's yeah. like an Overwatch thing, it's got to have a loot box. Or maybe system. they'll just be loot boxes that make you your car go faster, so you can pay to win. <laughs> yeah, I could, <laughs> I could see that going down really well with the community. Yeah, I can, I can, I can actually just imagine Jim Sterling's video of it now. So it's from a team made of people who worked at Evolution Studios before they closed down. So that's this. The right. Studio that made Drive Club and yeah, yeah. Okay. So. I mean, Drive Club was alright ish, maybe. <laughs> it was okay in VR. Know, the VR version was was alright. Yeah. Anyway, Drive Club is not coming no, out right. June, so I'll, I'll stop talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Harvard, what about you? What are you looking forward to? What is on your to do gaming list other than? Drive Club crossed Overwatch. Uh, speaking of racing games, though, I think The Crew 2 is coming out in June. It is. It is. And I've played the first one on PS4, and it's very much like a, a, a Ubisoft game where you just drive and you don't really do anything. And that's... <laughs> it's good for me. because so It's, a kind of it's basically off. a Ubisoft game. Basically, yeah, a Ubisoft like, game. That's not, that's not a, a Ubisoft game. Is a game where you like have too much stuff to do, and then you get bored because there's just too. Oh much yeah, it's that. Like, they give you the entirety of America just to drive around, and you just just drive down different environments, and that's the game. So you know that sounds. Okay, like I have an fun. I have an issue with that that thing because they promise that they give you all of America to drive over, but I can tell you that you can't drive across all of America in a couple of hours. It doesn't happen that way. But you can do yeah, that in the like, game. So. It's like abridged America. You got like flavors, you get Midwest zone and West Coast zone and things like that. <laughs> it's not realistic. It's not realistic enough, exactly. Yeah. It's and, not, yeah, definitely. So is the crew or two also based in America or did they take it somewhere else? I don't know, actually. That shows I how much we know about it. We don't, we don't even know what part of the world we're driving in. I think it's still Western. I think it's still America, yeah. But it's like got new vehicles and stuff. So you don't have to drive. You can also like fly a plane. Yeah, you got boats. Everyone likes boats. Yeah, that doesn't... But, but yeah. I don't know. That, that doesn't inspire me too much. But in better news... I mean, if I'm going to play... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead now. Yeah, the game I'm really looking forward to is Vampire by um, Don't Nod. And yeah. Don't Nod is one of those interesting studios because they made Remember Me back in like late 2010s where, or just uh, the late noughties where everyone was doing sequels and no one was doing new IPs and everyone saw Remember Me, Remember Me and they thought, 
this is such a weird, interesting game. And since then, Don't Nod has been aggressively trying to go back into the past because they've done a futuristic game, then they did Life is Strange, which is set in the present day. Now they're doing Vampire, which is kind of set in like the 1900s. And you can just see them going back de- uh, century by century by century. And- yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well. I think, I don't know, I, I really trust that Don't Nod knows how to do a good story. And I know that Remember Me wasn't the the most, well, it didn't set the, the, the sales charts ablaze and didn't resonate so well with critics, but I really enjoyed it because I thought it told a really good story and uh, did so really effectively. And the idea of uh, a game in which you play a vampire and you need to have a conscience about or you can choose to have a conscience anyway about who you feed on is a really cool idea i think for the whole vampire myth which we haven't really seen in video games done before obviously there's you know books by ann rice and other authors that kind of explore that theme um but video games have always been you know vampire just sucks blood and that's what they do and great um play Castlevania. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to somebody actually doing something a little, a little bit of a nuance about the vampire myth. Are you saying it's not nuance to have a, a character who's a good vampire and whose name is Alucard? Yeah, I'm saying that, Matt. I'm just oh. gonna I'm putting that out there. It's not not the most nuanced or intelligent way of doing things, you know. I get I get that they're trying to be a little bit subversive with the name and flip things around a bit and I appreciate the effort, but I, I will say that it's probably not the most well, it's a bit on the chin, let's put it that way. <laughs> just a little bit. Um yeah, Castlevania sucks. But <laughs> Well, it does. It's literally about vampires sucking blood. There. Got out of that one. Um, but yeah, vampires should be really good. It should be really, really, really good. Hopefully, don't not have done themselves. It's not Square Enix publishing this one, is it? It's a different publisher there. Yeah, I think it's someone different. But the, they're getting a lot of um, press and they're getting a lot of promotion. So it, it feels weird to have a game like this be promoted like it's one of the big upcoming titles. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know it was coming and it is... soon. I thought it was still pushed back a bit yeah, distant, yeah. In the distant horizon but... well it's been in development for so long i think everybody's kind of in that that space where they just expect it to be in development for forever <laughs> um but yeah it had to come out sometime so That's... it's also nice that it's a new it is a new ip at the later end of the console generation where new ips are less common um to, to say the least. I mean, I know at E3 we'll probably see Sony show off Days Gone or whatever that, that new IP from it is called, but I could not be less interested in that one. So I was kind really of pinning my hopes on them. No, it's really not. It's just a, you know, it's like all of Sony's games at the moment. It's just a clone of everything else they've previously done. They're all, you know, Horizon likes, but with different characters. Yeah. But anyway. Call, call um, days, vampire. Characters might be a street. <laughs> <laughs> Vampire. Vampire, definitely looking forward to it as a new IP. Got a lot of hopes pinned on it, so fingers crossed. Um, it looks um, like it's being published by Focus Home Entertainment. Oh, yeah. They, they're quite good at, like, I guess, taking risks on stuff like they that. They do. They definitely do. Yeah, they, they do. They, they definitely don't do normal stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So they take the stuff that the other publishers probably wouldn't touch. They did that one, um, that kind of crime investigation game where you could like 
talked to Napoleon and interrogating him and stuff. Uh, what was mm -hmm. it called? Had lots of paintings of Goya and stuff in the background. It was all very artsy and stuff. Um, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. I can't now. remember what it's called. But you know the one I'm talking about, right? Talking about. And they did like the the technomancer and yes, all yes. that. Which so it doesn't always go well for them, but they are good at <laughs> taking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Say 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 what you want about the technomancer, and a lot of people said a lot about the technomancer, but at least it was a, an original idea, and it tried to do something different. So. And, and don't nod certainly of a higher caliber as a developer than the guys that made Technomancer. So, yeah, fingers crossed for it. But on that note, we might go to some music. Let's, well, I ragged on Castlevania a bit, so let's have some music from Castlevania because the music's actually quite good, better than the games anyway. Welcome back, everyone. So, Battlefield. Let's talk about Battlefield, our favorite subject, our favorite games, <laughs> military shooters. This is what Digitally Downloaded is all about, and we don't care about anything else except for the, what's coming out next from EA or Activision in their amazing World War One and Two franchises. And as everybody who follows video games probably knows, uh, last week, by the time you're listening to it, it'll be last week, um, EA announced Battlefield Five or gave people a first look at Battlefield Five, and as only EA is able to do, managed to bring down an entire shitstorm on itself. Um, and since that announcement, basically everybody has just had one hot take after another about the game and what to expect from it. And uh, social media around video games has gone into meltdown talking about what was on the cover and what's in the game and all that kind of stuff. So we thought let's do our own spin on it because, of course, we have different ideas to what most people do at digitallydownloaded.net. So let's start with the, I, I guess, the first point of 
conversation that people had about Battlefield after that reveal, and it was, of course, the presence of a woman in a video game. It scared a lot of people, um, made a lot of people very mad. Um, so the cover, the cover thing, I don't know. What would you call it? Cover, cover character, cover promo, whatever. Uh, anyway, the the cover of Battlefield Five has a a woman uh, soldier with a it's a, a prosthetic arm, isn't it? I haven't looked at that closely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A woman soldier with a prosthetic arm, and it seems like she's the the main character of the game. Is that, or is it just a promo image? I think it's just a promo image. I think yeah. she's one of one of a handful of main characters, but. Yeah, right. Okay. So she's a, a she's a resistance fighter, I believe, is her story hook. Um, yeah. And obviously, like we said, it's based on World War Two. So she's a resistance fighter in World War Two, who's going to be shooting a whole bunch of Nazis, which is a good thing. I think we can all agree on that, or at least I hope we can all agree on that. Um, and yeah, that sent the internet into meltdown, because apparently, according to more than a few people, a surprising number of people, um, they don't know that women actually fought in World War II. So, yeah, there's obviously a bit of a disconnect there between what people actually know about history and what actually happened in history. But women did indeed fight in World War II, and uh, there were some of the most effective soldiers in World War II were actually women. There's a great story about a Russian sniper who killed more Nazis than almost anybody. And... Um, I can't remember a name, unfortunately. I feel terrible for that. I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it anyway because it's a very long Russian name. But yeah, she she was a sniper in the Russian military and she got 600, I think, confirmed kills or something. And that was top two or three or something amongst the allies in terms of her effectiveness on the battlefield. Um, and I think it's a good thing that Battlefield will have, uh, her, her is, Battlefield Five is featuring uh, a woman so prominently because I think, as the Twitter meltdown shows, there are a lot of people that aren't aware of what women did through World War Two, and I think that this is a good opportunity to start to raise some awareness about that. So, certainly approve of that. And uh, I understand that Matt put out a tweet, and then everybody interpreted that tweet as Matt not wanting to see women in Battlefield Five, which was pretty hilarious because I know you're the exact opposite of that, but. That was a pretty infamous tweet that you ended up with. Yeah, that was. Um, that was in response to something that, like, the director or one of one of the senior people on the thing put out a tweet about how the focus is about fun rather than authenticity. And then I replied to that tweet, being like, "Hmm, is maybe fun isn't really the best." tone to be going for it in a game based on a real war where millions of people died um and yeah for some reason lots of people have interpreted that as me saying there shouldn't be women in the game um <laughs> and i'm not sure why but yeah <laughs> uh, the joys of the internet yeah <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, that was. I thought that tweet and the fallout and what you got as a result of that was quite hilarious. The reason that the tweet became so, in, well, so, the reason that Matt got a lot of people 
atting him in the comments was because somebody picked up a picked up a wrote a story about that tweet and then it got to the top of uh, N4G with its very fine audience that publication that that website has. Um, so yeah, I thought that was quite amusing, really. Um, it's also been quite yeah. quite amusing to watch. It's sort of like a race between people who are liking the the developer's tweet and people who are liking my tweet. It's like a, 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 a little race between in, in the discourse around Battlefield. <laughs> What's more important, like fun or respectfully approaching history. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean... Wins the argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it. that's how debates work in uh, modern discourse. But, I mean, the point that you made was totally correct <laughs> like you i think everybody knows that you and i agree on this topic um but yeah the the thing that really annoys me is the minute a first person shooter comes out or a shooter that comes out that's based on world war one or two or one of the real conflicts vietnam or whatever as well um the developers start talking up about how much fun it is and how you know how visceral it is and they keep using these kind of emotive words to describe the game as this amazing experience a amazing adventure you know hugely entertaining you know, big blockbuster values and all that kind of stuff and it's like this is a this is a real war it was not fun by any on any level for anybody that was actually involved with it and you kind of you know you're shitting on the memory of the people that actually died in it by trying to convert it into something that's um that that is entertaining and you don't have to use those words you can certainly make a game about world war one or world war two and you can do it in a way that's engaging and powerful and meaningful and all of that kind of stuff and still be respectful of what that war actually involved and you know there are examples out there like uh, valiant hearts is a good one you know that took world war one and made an amazing game out of it but at the same time was actually respectful of the, the stories and you know what actually happened in that war and as a result Valiant Hearts is a game that is much more valuable as an artifact uh, in telling the stories of World War One uh, than the, the the EA battlefield that was based on World War One which was all about being fun and crap um, so yeah it's, it's it's an it's an odd one because people you know, the, the people were talking about historical, his, because of historical accuracy, you know, the women shouldn't be so prominent in the game. And I, I don't get that argument because, um, as we already mentioned, women were quite prominent in World War II. But, yeah, on one hand, they're talking about historical accuracy and all this kind of stuff. But on the other hand, virtually nobody is actually calling EA, EA, EA out on talking about this game as though it's entertainment and, and fun. and. You, if you want to talk about realism, let's talk about how realistic it is to make World War II a fun experience, because it's not. It shouldn't be. It just shouldn't be. If it's if they are aiming for realism, playing uh, a World War II game should make you absolutely miserable. But yeah, um, it's yeah, it, it's frustrating because. You know, we keep having these conversations about battlefield games or, or you know military shooters and all of that and the thing that i find really frustrating is actually the way that companies like ea and activision get away with it by having that kind of uh, sense of diversity in it which i think is a great thing you know uh call of duty had a similar debate because it had 
people of colour, black people, I think it was, in their game. Um, and people were talking about, you know, that wouldn't be very historically accurate or whatever nonsense they were coming up with as well there. So, you know, it's a good thing that the companies are putting these uh, diverse characters in there and finding these stories that are, you know, perhaps a, a little bit harder to find than the white man fighting the war story. But um, at the same time, nobody's having the conversation about the, the impact of turning military games into entertainment. And I think that's a, that's a real conversation and a real concern that we need to, that, that, that we need to have because uh, World War II is a war that people need to understand. They need to understand it in a way that is reflective of what actually happened. And unfortunately, games like these ones actually encourage people to have a very warped understanding of what World War II was, the, con the conduct of the various armies in World War II, um, and the events of the war. And I think that's, that's a, a much more disturbing story about then whether or not they've got certain characters in the game if that makes sense but anyway that's enough of me ranting i've um <laughs> I've, I've managed to silence matt and harvard yeah uh, harvard, <laughs> what are your thoughts you know to, tell us what do you think about you know all of this stuff uh, on battlefield and ea um. I'm really happy because I get to use a phrase that I don't think will ever be used again in the history of mankind. And it's, let's look to Call of Duty for a good example. So <laughs> What? Yeah, think what? what? <laughs> Call of Duty, I think Black Ops 3 or Advanced Warfare, probably Black Ops 3, it's set in this futuristic time, has nothing to do with current conflicts, so responsible in that regard. And it's got women soldiers, and no one got mad at it. Potentially because no one knew about it, but it <laughs> did everything that Battlefield <laughs> currently does. And this was like several years ago, and it did it in a way that doesn't potentially, I guess, glorify or um, misrepresent the actual conflict that happened in World War II. And it's interesting now because Call of Duty then went back to World War II last, last cycle, last year? I don't know. Yeah, and last year, yeah. There's some, there's some good and bad in there as well, and it's it's a bit embarrassing for them to, I guess, fall into the same trap that they always have been. But they also demonstrate how to do it in a way that doesn't ruin everything, and it's it's a bit sad that they haven't kept doing that. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's the thing that really confuses me about the the kind of product strategy behind these things. You don't need to make a game about a, a real world conflict for it to be an interesting shooter experience. You know, you can do um, futuristic ones or you can do even, you know, um, one setting kind of a modern period, but not actually based in, you know, uh, a real conflict. So I, I don't, unless you are aiming to actually tell the stories of World War One or World War Two, I don't see the point of actually setting your game in those 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 wars and if you are going to set your game and if you are looking to tell a story of world war one or world war two i really think that you need to a developer needs to be responsible about that uh, and look to tell and tell the story in an authentic doesn't have to be realistic but an authentic way that actually represents what happened in that war or at the very least if you want to want to to make it 
fun, do some kind of like alternate history thing like Wolfenstein does. Yeah, yeah, I've got no problem with a game like Wolfenstein, for example, because it does that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wolfenstein's a really good example of how you can do a shooter um, set in a war, but do it in such a way that it is so fantastical that you're not going to lead people astray. Because I'm not sure if developers even realize this, but people do look to their games as kind of they, they don't look to them as education, but they certainly learn from them. Um, and if they're learning that Call of Duty World War II or Battlefield One, or what I assume this Battlefield will be like as well, if they start to think that this is representative of those wars, and they will, and they do, they're just getting a very warped idea of what those wars were about, which is, which is great for the military recruitment agencies because it makes these wars seem like a, a great job for people who are patriotically inclined, let's put it that way. But um, yeah, they, they get to the battlefield and realize that the real situation is nothing like that at all. But on that note, let's um, let's stop with the negative chat. Let's have some music. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we kind of had to talk about it because it was such a big bit of news this week. But I, I, I can't speak for Matt or Harvard, but I can't stand talking about these games unless I have to. But Unfortunately, we have to because they're so present. I'd much rather that, you know, Hatsune Miku games sold what Battlefield does and Battlefield <laughs> sold what Hatsune Miku games does. So, you know, no, virtually nobody plays the those ones and we can talk about Hatsune Miku each week. That'd be much more fun, but I'll life doesn't work that. out that way. Let's just talk about <laughs> Hatsune Miku each week even anyway. <laughs> we probably should. We'd be less angry. It'd be good for our hearts. Blood pressure would drop. Um, but I'm going to pick some happy music, so not music from Battlefield or Call of Duty or any shooter, because none of that music's happy. Um, and we'll come back and we'll talk about Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, let's talk about something a bit more fun. back i hope you enjoyed that music that was actually from rhythm heaven nightwalk which was a good track good game all that good stuff um 
So yes, yeah, for the last section of the podcast, we're going to talk about Hyrule Warriors as our in-depth into one particular game because it came out on the Switch, the complete deluxe gourmet edition. I don't know what they call it. Gourmet edition, that's a good way. All special editions of games should be called gourmet editions. But um, yeah, that came out on the Switch with all the contents from all the previous games all thrown in, in one massive package. And if you pick it up, you'd be looking at an awful lot of time, a lot of time investment to get through it all, but you will enjoy doing it because it's such a great game, isn't it, Matt? It is, and I think my favourite thing about it is, in contrast to Battlefield Five, it's very historically accurate <laughs> to the history of Hyrule, right? <laughs> to the history of real life. Um, <laughs> no, it is. Yes, it's a lot of fun. It's. Um, I guess most people would know what it is by now, but it's basically a Dynasty Warriors type of game, but set in the world of The Legend of Zelda and with all those characters in it. Um, and so you've got all the, the the fun of that Dynasty Warriors style combat. Go and kill hundreds, thousands of enemies and the, the light strategy element of taking keeps and trying not to get overrun. Um, but then with a little, some light touches of like Zelda style <coughs> puzzle solving and using items to navigate around the map and strike weak points of bosses. It's a lot of fun. Um, I don't, that's not a very helpful description, but I think it is. Yeah, it's the Zelda elements that I really like about it because obviously, um, you know, Warriors games get chalked up as being all similar. So everyone is the same and they're all button mashes and all that kind of nonsense. The people who play them obviously know differently. But the thing about the Hyrule one was that, yeah, it definitely had those Zelda elements in it that you would actually go and, you know, get bombs out of a chest and chest and then have to use those bombs to blow up a um, you know, a roadblock that was in, in your way. And then when you come up against the bosses, which are all drawn from Zelda games of the past, um, you'd actually need to use those items in pretty much the same way you would use in them in the, the Zelda games themselves. So, yeah, that was that was the touch that really hooked me in back when I first placed it, played the game on the um, the Wii U. And yeah, it's just very authentic to Hyrule to Zelda, and I think. Some of uh, some of Koei Techno's other licensed ones don't always feel like they're quite authentic to the franchise. Um, so, for instance, I really love Fire Emblem Warriors. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't quite get the Fire Emblem feeling all the time. Like the the way that it works, I think it gets the characters down pat, but the actual action doesn't quite feel like a, a Fire Emblem game. But in this one, even though it's um, Zelda itself is not kind of the action game that Hyrule Warriors is, it certainly feels authentic to that general mm. franchise. So I think, yeah, I think Koei did an amazing job with that. And um, the Switch port is amazing as well. It's a really good port. I, I also like that it's, a, I think, finally a Zelda game that does justice to, to Zelda as a character. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that you can play as her and as any of, I think, about 40, I think, maybe somewhere around there, characters 
from across the various history of the franchise. It is, it's, I think, it, it's a game that finally gives Zelda more of a sense of agency and lets her be more than a damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she's she's a really good fighter too, actually. <laughs> Her moveset, she is actually really uh, a useful character for people that want to tackle the harder missions, uh, the optional stuff, um, and you, you need to pick a character that's actually you know, got a strong moveset. Zelda's a pretty good choice. Unfortunately, they did undo that a bit because they had an opportunity to put a female Link in, and instead they created Linkle and... Oh god, do I have problems with Linkle? Linkle is the worst character that Koei Tecmo has ever created. Bar none. You... What? Yeah, bar none. Zero. Linkle That's is, it. Is the aside from the fact that she's called Linkle, which is just a horrible name, she's the best character in the game. No, but it's the name. It, the name just pisses me off. Yeah, it's like too. there's no reason that she couldn't just be Link. You know, you pick one link and it looks like a dude. You pick another link, it looks like a woman. It's not hard to tell them the two apart. You know, dude link uses a sword. The the woman link uses the crossbow things. I, I don't know why they needed to give her a different name. It just makes no sense to me. Zero. But aside from the name, she is a very great character. She, like... Uh, I don't know. I didn't like her cutscene much either, like the intro one that with all the cuckoos and... She's stuff. a cuckoo farmer. She's got to have cuckoo. Yes, I know that, but it's it just seems all very nonsensey. But she basically is like a little red riding hood, except her hood is green because she's a link and she dual wields crossbows and is just a bit clumsy but also a real badass. I like her. She's good. She's a best. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She's just like a comic relief character that's not very funny because she's got a terrible name. Just, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work for me, sorry to say. Very sorry to say All this. Right. But, yeah. Bar none. No other character. Not even the, the worst of the dudes in Dead or Alive are as bad as Linkle. Harvard, having not played Hyrule Warriors, what do you think of Linkle? <laughs> um, all I've seen is the promotional footage and... I don't know, does, does she get developed as an individual character or is she kind of just like a side thing that's there? Oh, so she was originally not in the game. She was developed as a, an additional DLC character and put into the 3DS one first, I think. That was the kind of the hook to convince people to try and play that travesty that was the 3DS version, <laughs> was that you could play with Linkle. Um, so that's where she came from. And, oh. she, and she has like a little side story thing. Which is basically like the the same Zelda story as ever. She decides that she's the the legendary, the latest version of the legendary hero, and decides to go and save Hyrule, even though everyone does not think she is, because she's just a cuckoo farmer, and she oh, wants to yes. prove them wrong and prove that she's the hero. Does the Legend of Zelda do that? I don't know what it's called, like regenerating doctor thing where every link is a different link, or is it? Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. It's like the the timeline works that's, yeah, every generation or two or three or something, um, a version of Ganondorf rises up and threatens the entire planet. Uh, so a version of Link puts on a suit and becomes like this 
this superhero that can actually save them and a generation of zelda needs saving so um yeah oh. it's it's not so much one doctor who it's like there's a whole bunch of doctor who's that are just all kind of time traveling in unison with one another um and <laughs> i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind if david tennant actually ended up being the next link that would be pretty <laughs> <laughs> i'd be all for that 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 such a stage right for a female link and then they don't have to say anything and yes. it's gonna end well, up that's a, a whole battlefield situation and matt's subtweets are gonna get massive <laughs> again it'll be great well that's the thing like there's no reason that they can't be a female link because link doesn't need to be a male name in the first place it's a made-up name um they can apply it to a woman just as easily and um there's nothing in the law that says that it has to be a dude uh, even the the suit itself, it could, a woman could easily wear it, and it would look no different. So um, yeah, it just it just makes no sense to me. And here it was Koei Tecmo with the chance because it was like this side game. You know, it was a sub game. It wasn't a main Zelda game, so they could be a little bit more experimental. They had this chance to make a female Link um, as a extra character, as something that no one would get offended about because it wasn't like the lead character of a Zelda game. And they instead made Lincoln. I do wonder how much like uh, influence I guess there was from Nintendo in that. <laughs> because there are there are other new characters which are like like Sia, which are much more like Koei Tecmo characters. Koei Tecmo characters. <laughs> I love how we, I love how we can say like it's a Koei Tecmo character, and immediately everyone thinks of you know basically everyone can uh, can pick exactly strap. what she looks like. What she looks like. Yeah. A strap across a massively oversized chest, um, and and basically that's it for clothing. Um, so that's Koei Tecmo character. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I assume that Nintendo Nintendo probably had quite a bit of influence over the design of Link Pool, because yeah. otherwise she would be wearing a green bikini rather than a <laughs> Link suit. Um, and there's not even that as DLC. I'm amazed they were very restrained with that character. So Nintendo must have had a big role in that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just I don't like that character, and I only because I the potential is there for that character to have been much more interesting. And they got almost to the line, and then took a big step backwards again. So naughty, everybody involved. Um, but I do like the cuckoos, since we we're talking about cuckoos a bit before. Um, I don't know. Have you managed to have your first accidental um, cuckoo kill, Matt? Because if you do that, um, well, it's a disaster. I wouldn't say accidental, but... Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, so you went and slaughtered a cuckoo, and then you saw what happens after that. Yeah, and then I slaughtered all yeah. the other cuckoos, and I just kept fighting cuckoos until the golden <laughs> cuckoo came out. And then I <laughs> killed the golden cuckoo and got some special treasure. Uh, well, I'm impressed you managed to get to the golden cuckoo, because those things are brutal. Like, not just the golden cuckoo all of them they, they swarm you and it's just it's painful i learned to be a bit scared of the cuckoos um, <laughs> cuckoos are the scariest especially when, in zelda games especially the early ones because yeah if they, they just kind of wander around being stupid and um if you accidentally hit one because you're in the middle middle of fighting a bunch of goblins or something the cuckoos actually blame you for that and then they start spawning like on mass and they'll flood the entire level and kill everything and they'll take over bases and then these giant cuckoos will start spawning and um 
then yeah, then you're in for it because they're much more scary than the goblins. Let's put it that way. Moblins, whatever they're called, the Zelda goblins. But yeah, it's um, Pirate Warriors on the Switch. Very good. Uh, heaps and heaps of characters. Uh, heaps of gameplay modes. I would put, if I was putting an hours to dollar value thing on it, um, you'd be getting well and truly your money's worth, let's put it that way. I think you could easily spend 100 hours playing Hyrule Warriors and not see it all yet or not yeah. get everything because you can... Um, you can up, you can level up your characters to obscene levels as well, um, and well beyond the actual the point where you actually need to to complete the story and stuff. You can just keep leveling them up forever, um, and people do that because they are OCD about it, I guess. Um, There's lots of stuff to find and collect, and hidden secrets and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, plenty of reasons to replay levels because each level has like a, a golden skull collar thing pop up at some point during the battle. Uh, usually at a very inconvenient moment, you need to run over and try to find it. And if you don't, you'll have to go back and replay the entire level again to try and find it this the next time around. But the rewards for getting that stuff is pretty good. And I think that's the thing. Like um, games, the game's really good at reward rewarding you as you play. Um, you do feel like the effort that you put in is returned because a lot of games aren't very good at doing that. And I think so. It was pretty good. Uh, Hyrule Warriors is pretty good at that. And on that note, we might wrap the podcast for the week. We survived. We survived without Alan. I'm very impressed with us. Um, he's probably not going to be impressed with us because we said things. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll cut some music. We'll pick some music from something to do with Zelda, probably Hybrid Warriors, if not something else. So uh, I haven't really chosen the music yet, but signing off and enjoy the Zelda music, and we will see you at the next podcast. <laughs>